You're listening to the B-School Podcast. I'm your host, Taylor Elise Morrison, embodiment coach and founder of Inner Workout. Consider B-School your invitation to becoming a student of yourself. So come on, let's get studying. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of B-School. We've got another great guest on the show, Kamisha Hodge. She is the founder of Sovereign Noir Publications. Kamisha, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you, Taylor, for having me. So when we were brainstorming about what our conversation could look like, the theme that really emerged was this idea of speaking your truth. And I know for me, I spend a decent amount of time on Instagram and speaking your truth is kind of a hot topic. It's like, oh, I spoke my truth or I'm not speaking my truth and that's a problem. It's definitely something that's in the public psyche, so to speak. But I'm curious for you, what does it actually mean to you to speak your truth? As an individual, to speak my truth means to recall events and not just think about my emotions that are attached to the events, but the actual sequence of events. Because a lot of the time when we recall things, we look at it from a very narrow, very uh, limited perspective. And so when I speak my truth, I try my best to first remove myself from the situation and look at it from the outside, try to look at the other person's perspective. And then if I'm, if I'm really trying to be fancy, uh, I try to reconnect with my mindset at that time. Was I stressed? Was I overwhelmed? What was going on in my life? And since I'm in a, a different space at the time of reflection, I'm able to understand whether I reacted appropriately, whether my feelings were valid or whether I misremembered something or whether there was a detail that I overlooked or what really was happening in me living in that truth in that moment. So me speaking my truth is essentially after analyzing what has happened, being able to tell my story through my perspective after analysis. And it's very important that people take the time when speaking their truth to dissect all these different parameters. That's not to say that how they felt at the time and how they feel when going back through those emotions is invalid because every feeling is valid, but we want to make sure that all of the facts are there. We want to make sure that we have a solid ground to stand on so that when we speak our truth and someone opposes our truth, we can have conviction and strengthen ourselves and confidence in ourselves to say, no, this is my truth. That is such a lovely definition and really eye-opening for me because I feel like a lot of the time when I've seen talk about speaking your truth, it's really focused on almost this catharsis Mm -hmm. that maybe isn't taking context into account. It's like, I'm really angry, I'm really frustrated, or I'm really excited. It can be a positive emotion as well, but it's just this almost like verbal vomit. Mm -hmm. And what you just described is really intentional and measured, which I I think is, yeah, it's just a, a great perspective as you're considering what it looks like to speak your truth. And I know for you as someone who has a publishing company, 
one of the biggest ways that you process and you help other people process their ability to speak their truth is through writing. Mm -hmm. What value do you think writing has in helping connect people to their truth? Oh, writing is exceptionally important in getting people to recognize their truth and to be able to speak it, as well as even helping people realize that they have a truth to speak. I have many clients who have published memoirs and after the first draft, they're like, okay, I want to publish it. But as I'm also an editor, I also have to go through different rounds of edits. One of the main things of copy editing is to make sure that you do your research on the timeline and sequence of events that has been told in the story. And so after the developmental edit phase, after the copy edited phase, I'm like, you know, this is a great thing that you're doing, you know, in telling your truth and making sure that you feel valid and that you feel heard in what you're expressing right now. What I want to do is I want to make sure that we're both on the same page. I want you to talk this through me, talk this through with me linearly without the emotions attached. Tell me how you felt. Tell me what happened and tell me how you can analyze this situation from a reader's perspective. Most of the time people write from emotion, which is great if you're journaling, that's fine. But if you're writing a memoir, you want to make sure that you're very intentional about how you bring other people into your truth. So what might be your truth may be a different truth for someone else, but that doesn't mean that anyone's truth is incorrect. It just means that you have two different people with two different perspectives on what occurred. And so you want to be very intentional about how you speak your truth. You want to be intentional about the way that you speak your truth. You want to be intentional about how you present your truth so that people can choose to accept that truth on their own. It's like going to a restaurant. You have a menu here, but you're allowing people to choose what they want. You want to be very straightforward. And most of all, you want to be honest when you're speaking your truth, especially when writing a memoir. When you're writing poetry, you, want to, you have a responsibility to be truthful in your poetry. You have a responsibility to be truthful in your creative nonfiction. But most of all, you have a responsibility to be truthful to yourself. And so that is the main thing that I try to tell clients that I'm working with when they are speaking their truth, that the honesty is there whether you choose to say it with pride is up to you. That makes a lot of sense. And what I'm curious for, so some people listening to this podcast are writers of all different types, but some people are listening and they're like, I barely journal. Writing isn't something that comes naturally to me. And I'm sure that there are pieces of my truth that need to be told, but it feels a little intimidating to think about really writing my story in that mm -hmm. way. What would you tell people who just need that encouragement, a little push to start, even if it's not writing a memoir, but it's just starting to get in touch with their own story? I would say a great pace to start would be to read other people's stories. It's very easy to tell someone to, to make themselves vulnerable. But 
if you don't know how to do that, you can't. And so I would say if you're not able to journal, if that's not something that comes naturally to you, definitely read some memoirs. Read Maya Angelou's I Know Why the Cage Bird Sings. That is one of the most vulnerable vulnerable books (laughs) that I've ever read. And it brings me to tears every single time. And so um, seeing her vulnerability, her talking about being molested by her mom's boyfriend and uh, being racially intimidated and um, even, you know, her, her life as a sex worker, being raped, like all of these traumas after traumas after traumas. And yet she became the Maya Angelou that we knew and loved before she passed on. And so seeing that vulnerability and reading other people's vulnerabilities, such as, I don't know, Malcolm X, it should be able to help you understand what traumas you are trying to protect and how you can begin to ease that load or lighten that burden. I would also say go to a therapist because (laughs) that is something that will help you learn how to journal as well. That's really true. I think, I mean, honestly, going to a therapist is something that's helpful for, for everyone. So that's great for the people who are like, I don't even know if I can begin to start writing my story yeah, looking at people like Maya Angelou or looking at other memoirs that do really go to those vulnerable places. What about for the people who are like, okay, I, I journal occasionally, but maybe I just talk about my day or I keep things really surface level. Is there a prompt or a practice that you use to help people really connect to those those pieces of themselves and their truth that are underneath the surface? Oh, absolutely. First and foremost, when you're trying to get from that surface level, you always want to, it, surface level situations almost always are because you're trying to reject your traumas or you're trying to pretend and be dishonest with yourself because you're not being dishonest with anyone else with your journaling. This journaling is for you. And if you can't be honest with yourself, then that points to a higher issue. Again, that was probably where a therapist would come into play. But if you are able to journal and you 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 find yourself writing about the very mundane, oh, my day was good. Oh, I went to get a haircut. Oh, my boss sucks. You know, you want to get into why does your boss suck? Why did why do you feel that your boss treats you this way? What does this relate to, you know, you as a person? Do you feel that your boss thinks that you're inferior to him? Does your boss think that you're trying to take their job? Is this a deeper conversation about you feeling like you deserve a promotion or you being overseen or like, what is the issue? And the way that you get to that deeper issue is by asking yourself, why? I had a terrible day. Why? Why did you have a terrible day? What was terrible about it? And the only reason I'm able to understand this is because I've worked with youth as a youth worker. <laughs> and so during one of our trainings at the Sanctuary Institute, we were we were taught to ask what happened and why. And so working with kids, you know, the story that the story will have some bits and pieces that are similar, but they all will be based off of the kids' perspective. And we bring that into our adulthood. So when you're saying, oh, 
My partner sucks. I don't know why I deal with this. Well, why do you deal with it? I love him. I love her. I love them. Well, if you love this person, do you think that this person loves you? Yes or no? Why? Do you feel that this is your love language? Is this how you want to be treated? Is this what your standard is for yourself? So why do you accept this from this person? Would you accept it from someone else? It's like you're having a conversation with yourself as your best friend or as your close friend. You should be able to talk to yourself like you're talking to your best friend because you should be a best friend. You've been with yourself your whole life. And so (laughs) you should treat yourself like that by being honest with yourself. And if you're able to be more honest with someone that is outside of your, your physical body, then that's some work that you got to do with yourself. You should be able to be 100% honest with yourself 100% of the time. And so when you're writing about your day, you should be able to say, you know what, my coworker, John, I dislike him because he reminds me of my uncle. And my uncle cheated on my aunt when I was six years. No, you know, you'll get to that point where you'll be able to connect the dots. But, you know, you won't get there immediately. But it's all about practice and reiteration. Practice and reiterate. That is so, yes, that is really good. And when I teach inner workout classes, one of the things that I often say is like, if you're journaling, think about, reading this as if a friend were telling it to you, you'd probably Mm -hmm. ask follow-up questions. Your friend Mm -hmm. would tell you this whole story about your day and you'd be like, okay, cool. You'd probably be like, wait, your boss said that? How did that make you feel? Exactly. Or that exciting thing happened? That's amazing. Like, what are you going to do to celebrate? But we go through our days and we're just sometimes really almost like court reporters trying Mm -hmm. to keep all of our emotions out of it instead of engaging. And like you said, asking why. Exactly. And emotions are, emotions are not bad things. Like I don't want to anyone to, to misinterpret me saying emotions are, are not critical. What I'm saying is that it's when you're journaling, emotion is critical, but also analysis is critical as well. You, you have a left side of your brain and you have a right side of your brain. One is super emotional. One is super logical. You have to use both. You have to use both. That's the only way for you to heal. It's the only way for you to grow and develop as a person. And it's the only way for you to be your best self. You can't give half of yourself to yourself. You got to give your whole self to yourself. Like it's, it's literally being a relationship with yourself. You can't be in a relationship with someone else when you can't even be 100% of yourself with yourself. That's wild. Like, it doesn't make sense. It is. And it's like, you think about the fact that we have these two different sides of our brain for a reason. Exactly. It's about, like, we need that balance. And it's easy for us to get really caught up in only the analysis or only the emotions and to really process things like you're saying. You need to be able to tap into both. Well, I want to move into the three questions that I ask everyone. So the first question is, what is something that you've learned recently that you're excited about? I have learned that I could have been where I am many, many years ago had I not waited for other people's validation 
and believed in myself. Well, that just gave me chills because I know there's someone who's listening to that and was and is saying like that that word was for me. Do it. Do it. Believe in yourself. Believe in yourself. Other people will believe in you along the way. And that's all good and great. But just. I literally have had this same vision since I was about. 20, 21 years old and nine years later, here I am fulfilling that vision. I could have fulfilled it a long time ago had I believed in myself and trusted myself, but I did not. I was afraid of how great I could possibly be. And it was a learning experience. I don't regret it at all, but it was something that I just recently learned. So, And now you know that you have that power and you get to harness that into whatever it is. Like now you've had this vision for the longest time and now you might even be able to surpass it now that you have let go of the need for the belief. So that's exciting. At least I hope it is for you. So the second question that I have for you is, what is something that you are in the process of unlearning? Ooh, that is a, that is a heavy question. Um, what am I in the process of unlearning? I am in the process of unlearning negative self-talk. So there's been so many times in my life where I've like talked myself out of potentially amazing opportunities, situations, experiences. And I recently, well, I was going to a therapist around 2000, maybe 2017, 2018. And then she broke up with me. She was like, oh, okay, you're great. You can handle all your problems. You, you, you're good. At first I was devastated because I was like, how could she just leave me in this big, horrible, mean world all alone? But then later on I realized, oh, she was right. You know, I, I have realized that a lot of my self-doubt and negative talk to myself stems from one, I'm the oldest. So of course, when I was younger, I would get in trouble for not ensuring that my, my siblings were doing the best that they could. I always had to maintain the high grades. I always had to maintain the, the jobs and support and help out around the house and things like that. And so because I was raised in an environment that had very high expectations of me. I also had developed unrealistic expectations for myself. In doing that, when I experienced what most people would call failures, but I would call them lessons, when I experienced that, I would really, really engage in some really toxic behavior toward myself. Like I would really degrade myself, berate myself, and it, it just got really bad and really ugly. So after therapy, I realized that I really had to do something about the negative self-talk. And I developed a lot of different techniques to combat it. So now instead of thinking about what I experience as failures, I call them lessons and experiences to grow from. So changing language significantly changes the way that I perceive the things that I that I go through and like Maya Angelou I know I talk about Maya Angelou a lot but I love her so much Maya Angelou talks about the power of language 
and how it gets into your walls and then your skin and your clothes and the things that you that you 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 take on every day. And it's true. When you talk to things negatively, when you talk about things on a consistently uh, in an awful way, if you bring all of that negativity and you keep bringing that in, in your environment and bringing it into your home and bringing it into your mindset, you eventually become engulfed in that negativity. Your energy becomes that negativity. But when you speak positively and you, and you change the narrative of experiences that can be perceived as negative, you can do anything, anything. That is really, really true. And the last question is one of my favorites. What's a way that you've grown that you're proud of? And this is really your chance to celebrate yourself and allow us to celebrate alongside you. Okay. This is actually a hard thing for me to do because I'm not really a celebrate your successes kind of person, you know, but I will say that I'm, I'm beginning to see and understand why people in my corner fight for me as hard as they do. I have a lot of people who support me and a lot of people don't have a lot of people to support them. And I'm very grateful for the people that support me. And I'm grateful for the strength that they see in me, the leadership that they see in me and the willingness to just do whatever with me. You know, I have some very close friends who are on this publishing journey with me as my graphic designer, as my photographer, as my marketing specialist. You know, I have a team of people who support me and they support me because, as they always say, you're our fearless leader, Cam. My close friends call me Cam. And so I see it. I do see the fearlessness that I have. I see the power that I have. And I see how it's very possible to help lower income communities, but still be profitable. I can see it. You don't have to push people out. You don't have to outprice people. You just have to help them and help them help themselves. And that is what I do. And I'm very proud of that. And I'm very excited that I finally found a way to help people and to make a living by helping people on my own with the team that I brought and that, that I created. That's the, the, I celebrate that every day. I've celebrated it every day since April 18, 2019, when I created Sovereign Noir Publications. And I will be celebrating it this weekend when I go to Miami for the Black Girls Who Write Authors Retreat. I'm going to be celebrating it in April when I launch and host the very first Black Women Writers Virtual Summit. And again in October, when we, you know, have our gala for the the people in the publishing mastermind mentorship program. So I'm, I celebrate it every day and want to keep celebrating it until the day I die because I, I finally see what everybody else saw in me when I was younger and what they continue to see in me as I live and breathe today. Well, thank you for sharing that and allowing us to celebrate alongside you. It's really a clear that you've got some really cool things coming up for Sovereign Noir, but also how you've been able to step into the impact that you want to create and really helping other people own their stories and speak their truth. So Kamisha, if people want to follow along with your journey, where can they connect with you online? Um, 
wow, let's see. On Instagram, I'm going to be very honest, guys. I am not a very social media-esque person. I don't really enjoy being on devices as opposed to being in person with people that I enjoy to be with. But I'm also not rude. So if you wanted to send me an email at Kamisha at SovereignY.com, I will not ignore you. If you wanted to follow me on Instagram, my name is It's Kamisha, I-T-S-K-A-M-E-I-S-H-A. My LinkedIn profile is It's Kamisha as well. And my Twitter is the very same, It's Kamisha. If you want to follow Sovereign Noir, we're Sovereign Noir everywhere. Pinterest, Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram. This is awesome. And I love that you're honest and just like, I don't necessarily like showing up on the internet. I've had another guest share her email as well. And it's really about where if people hear something that resonated and they want to talk to you or they want to follow along. So thanks for providing that. And hopefully people, whoever it is, if someone listened and heard something, you feel comfortable connecting with Kamisha. So Kamisha, thank you so much for your time and for being on the show. And thank you to everyone who's listened. Thank everyone who's listening as well. And also, thank you, Taylor, for having me. This was fun. It was really fun. Thanks to Andres Rodriguez for the intro and outro music. You can keep in touch with me on Instagram at Taylor Elise Morrison. Elise is E-L-Y-S-E. And check out the resources on my website at taylorelise.com. <laughs>